One. Hi there, it's uh, Libertarians for America, and today we are um, presenting our third episode of Break the System. So uh, a little bit of a background. We had a, uh, if you're paying close attention to us on uh, Instagram and Twitter, um, we've had a board of members, a board of directors, and a members tier system. And um, here today are our very special board of directors who you will be now seeing regularly on this podcast. Um, of course, one of them is not here, Omar. Um, but we are very pleasure to have uh, By- Byron and uh, Victor here with us. So it's, it's a pleasure to have you guys on board and it's, it's great to have you guys. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the Biden administration's uh, really high, high, high budget um, and how it's affecting America and how the inflation rates are actually being affected by this. Um, so why don't I give uh, Jack the pedestal? What do, you, what do you think about this, Jack? Well, I think, of course, coronavirus should be one of our number one priorities. And I think that spending is obviously um, necessary, uh, you know, higher than usual spending during these uncertain times. But I feel that the spending has gone out of control where everything is being used to um, every, every sort of justification is COVID or some sort of problem. But in reality, we don't necessarily know where those funds are going. And I think that's the biggest problem. So we don't know where those funds are going exactly because he says, oh, here's a $1.9 billion uh, trillion dollar relief package. Well, where exactly is all the money going to? You know, that's where a lot of corruption can happen. That's where a lot of money can be funneled to projects that are not necessarily beneficial. Um, another thing, of course, is inflation. Because once this pandemic and all these problems start fading away, that money is going to still be here. We cannot just take that money out. And what that's going to equate to is, is going to equate to massive inflation which will affect daily Americans. This means that if you have money in your bank account right now, it may have some good spending power, but in five years from now, that money may only have like 60% of its value. So um, I think it's a major issue that will actually affect real um, American and will affect day-to-day lives. And what we can also see is, you know, um, our wages going to increase our goods going to increase in price, which is obviously probably going to happen. And that's just going to, that could cause a recession. You never know. So the financial situation, I feel like we're printing money very irresponsibly. And, you know, Trump, Trump also contributed major to this, but Biden has not done anything to solve that. And I think that's a, I think that's a big problem because neither party wants to step in and stop the spend, stop the insane spending and inflation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I think that literally, um, you know, I don't think Trump did. Okay, well, Trump, yes, uh, in the essence that he did uh, create a bit of a net loss. Um, The economy has literally shrunk three and a half percent due to the fact of, of course, COVID-19. But also, I look at it like this. Um, COVID measures with Trump, I'm not going to blame him 100 percent. I mean, of course, he's he's big time at fault but um biden's spending is just insane 1.9 trillion dollars i mean that's terrible that's i mean insane 1.9 trillion dollars straight off the budget 1.9 trillion you know i mean how much uh trump spent in his first 100 days in office was i believe only around 600 billion um the average u.s president only spends about you know 500 billion so well, this guy I comes mean, in 
spends oh, nearly two trillion dollars on just COVID. And it's insane. Well, okay, but it's a little different because when Trump came in, he didn't really inherit any big issues. Unlike Biden, where he's inheriting so many issues, especially COVID. So it kind of makes sense that spending would be much higher than usual. But, but um, 1.9 to, trillion. Yeah, just I agree. for COVID. Too much. It's too much, in my opinion. And, and you know, also let's not let's also think about it this way. Our taxes have not increased during COVID, despite huge spending. So this really does leave the question: like, how is this happening? And when you look further into it, you're going to see so many cracks in it. Eventually, those cracks are going to burst, and it's going to be like a big dam. All that water that's accumulating is going to flood in, and everybody's going to get affected. Oh, yeah. And it's a concern because you see COVID, once COVID is gone, everybody's going to think, oh, yeah, you know, we've reached the end, you know, Yahoo, let's party. Actually, there's so many problems now that are going to be um, occurring afterwards, uh, yeah. post-COVID. Oh, yeah, I see. I see. I see Byron is just over there. What, do you, what are your thoughts on this, man? Well, really, uh, Jack was talking about this whole situation being like a dam. I think the most concerning situation that we're in is that I think Biden as a president, uh, compared to any other past president, is going to be more empowering towards the Federal Reserve than any other president we've seen. The 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 sheer audacity of him, I'm going to say audacity, because if you're spending $1.9 trillion within your first um, first couple of days in office, and not only accounting that spending, but accounting the amount of executive orders he put into play. And I know he's trying to do this to counter the acts of Trump before, but what I'm saying is that it's absurd that um, that Biden has gone about spending $1.9 trillion. This is nearly unheard of. And the fact that I have a feeling that this is going to be normalized is a bit concerning to me, as well as if we think of it, um, especially with Janet Yellen and people like Bernie Sanders being um, in charge of the budget, it's, it's especially in the uh, legislative branch. The United States is not going in a way or is not going in a direction of not only fiscal conservatism, but just having sense economically. If you look at the people who are, in my opinion, who, and this goes back to the whole GameStop situation, who we're talking about, um, who are talking about the system is rigged against us. Yes, the system is rigged against us. But who is the main person rigging the system? It has always been the government, more specifically yeah. the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Yes, the Federal Reserve is a te technically a private bank, but let's be very realistic. The Federal Reserve is pretty much just another extension of the government. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I totally agree Absolutely. with you. It's insane. I, I mean, um, you know, when we have a call, you know, VJ is a college student. Um, or Victor, uh, which would you rather go by, by the way, um, Victor? Um, Victor. All right, Victor, my bad. Uh, so, Victor, I mean, like, you're, you know, you're in the college life, you know, you're in that as atmosphere. So, what do you see with the struggles of college students and, and what's going on today? And the struggle as in which type of struggle? I mean, economically, aren't you guys getting highly Financial. affected by the inflation rates? I mean, the whole pandemic thing, there are some colleges out there that are still charging the tuition that they're not going to be able to use like room and board and stuff like that because the campuses are closed down or they're being sent home so and some of them are out of work too so it's just they're being charged too much tuition that they can't pay and they're not using half of it 
and they're not getting like any relief checks or anything because their claim is dependent. So they're kind of like out of money, what, taking out student loans, trying to pay off the half of the tuition that they're not even using. And they're, they just don't oh, yeah. have the funds for it. I mean, yeah. I mean, and you, you just talked about student loans, which is a good, um, you know, a good thing I want to talk about. Um, while I'd love to forgive everyone's student loan, uh, we, we just are not at the capacity where we can have a student loan forgiveness program where everyone gets a student loan debt, um, you know, taken off. And, and, and the main concern I have with the student loan debt forgiveness program is the fact that it will end up biting our own citizens in the ass. I mean, it will literally end up biting us in the ass because, you know, they're going to pay for this, right? It's going to come out of their pocket taxes, right? Taxes are going to get raised. That's, that's from the simplistic view, right? Oh, taxes are going to get raised. But what I look at it as more of is now we're going to have to start borrowing against the treasury. And once we start borrowing against the treasury, that's a big concern because we don't have the gold standard anymore. So inflation is just going to go through the roof. And, um, you know, VJ was talking about tuition and rent prices. I, I mean, right now, right? Rent prices are insane. And uh, they're trying to raise the minimum wage because they want to compete with the rent prices, right? They want it to be neck and neck. It's, it's not, it does not work like that. If they with the raise- well, what the 15 minute, uh, what the $15 minimum wage is going to do, it's going to be like the final blow to small businesses. Small businesses, in my opinion, have been almost just like left out in America. Like I feel like oh, they've yeah. been always like the, like the alleyway that gets all the trash. And now with this $15 minimum wage, the remaining businesses are just barely, barely surviving. They're probably drowning in debt. They can't, you know, they can't handle it anymore. Yeah. Now this 15 minimum wage, I see this as like a blow in the head. And they're not going to be honestly, able to pay their employees. Absolutely. Yeah, so what's going to happen? They're going to fire. Oh, yeah. We're becoming ruined, as you're saying. Also, Unemployment is going to skyrocket. And then we're also talking about um, rent as well as how it deals with minimum wage. I know the main thing that people are going to bring up is that, oh, we can still install minimum wage. And if rent goes up, we can put a rent cap. We have seen historically, if we put rent caps on especially apartment properties, that that's how you create slumlords. And slumlords, I have a feeling in this era of COVID-19 are going to become if they are already not a present thing that is very um, that is very popular at the moment, I feel like like uh, Jack was saying, not only is minimum wage going to be uh, the last nail in the coffin for small business owners, but it's actually going to be the catalyst for the reappearance of slumlords, in my opinion. Absolutely. You made a great point with that. And oh, yeah. also rent caps. I mean, it is really also it's contrary to the it's contrary to the values of freedom because you know, the government being able to control uh, how much you can charge for your rent is the complete opposite of what we preach for a free market. And honestly, the government having a control to um, control rent prices, this is just terrible. And this is just honestly the precursor to a future where, you know, the house where the, the real estate market is then controlled by the government, you know, like China or other nations with a strong central government, which is something we don't want. And, you know, it's concerning because, uh, you know, we cannot, we cannot allow that. And I hate to be basic with these situations, but look at the problems that we're currently having now. Like the most recent problem, and I talked about it just um, very shortly, the whole GameStop situation that was brought upon by the government being 
and also um and also people who are tied with the government being too involved in the stock market and everything like that. And all the modern problems, not even just modern problems, the problems that we've seen before in the past. And I hate to, and I hate to say this so much because I always say it to anyone I talk to, but it's the fault of the government. And I hate blaming problems on one specific thing, but at this point, this is where we've gotten. Of course, there are other factors, but the main factor has usually been the government. And the oh, yeah. fact that people, and I think all of us have talked about that about this, but the fact that people still insist on involving the government into even more problems that they have, or or involve the government in a situation like GameStop to fix things, is it's it's a bit foolish. But I have at the same time the way that we're being educated and the way that information is being spread, I can't blame these people for saying that. Oh yeah, I mean people are becoming literal puppets. Um, I think everything. I'm a strong believer and a very firm believer that everything stems from education, right? As coming from a place that is war-torn and, and, and um, you know, I, it's sad to see that, you know, these people are being brainwashed from the ages of, you know, four, five, six, um, you know, uh, being taught Sharia law instead of being taught, you know, math, history, science, English, you know, Farsi, um, you know, being taught language, right? Things that are important, or, or you could say at least subjects that they need to learn in at the very basic level of multiplication, adding, um, before anything, they're taught Sharia law and, and the Quran. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of that in the American system that we have today. Um, really, what they're doing is on our education system, which I like to call it more of a um, a workers plant, if you will. Um, they're, they're just trying to breed more and more, more and more workers for um, this huge multinational globalist monopoly that I, that we call the US government. Um, and it's, it's insane. Uh, you know, if they're pitting people against each other, they're saying, hey, choose this president, this president, this president, you know, they're, they're all the same guy. And as you said, um, the GameStop situation, that's insane. Uh, the government should have no place whatsoever to say anything about the stock market and how um, businesses sell their stocks and how high their stocks go. This is literally just because a couple of, you know, hedge fund managers and a couple of people invested in those hedge, fund, hedge funds got mad and said, hey, I didn't like that. So we got to change GameStop. You, you know, you got to change this. You got to stop this somehow. Stop this. And they're trying to find a way to call it illegal. I mean, that, that's completely ridiculous. That whole GameStop situation, how they put a pause. If you think about it, those like hedge fund managers and stuff has been playing the stock market like a casino to their advantage, like in their favor. And then when all the Reddit people did the same thing, then the hedge fund manager said it's unfair. They shouldn't be able to do this, but they've been doing the same thing to us for years, years. years. But when we do it back, they say it's unfair manipulation and it shouldn't be allowed. So it's like they're trying to go after the little guys while they're making millions and getting bailed out. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's That's insane. insane. They want a free market. But when you're like stopping stock shares because it's not going in your favor, then... Not they only want a free market when they win. Yeah, and it, this is literally rubidism. I mean, I, there's nothing more 
nothing more comparable to this than Rubenism. I literally just look at London from 1830 to about 1860. It's the same thing, the bourgeoisie having the stronghold, no small bourgeois, just big bourgeois. Workers work for the bourgeois, the, you know, um, they call them the sans-culottes in literally in France, uh, the people that were working pants and quite literally, I mean, it's insane. This is Ruidism. This is literally when the big guys think it's the free market, it's only free market when it works for them. That's only when it's the free market. And, and, and we're, we're drifting away from capitalism and, you know, people want to misguide it with this is capitalism's fault. No, this isn't capitalism, my friend. This is rubidism. I mean, it's insane. And I think um, this whole situation, how people ha uh, have reacted to it, just proves that the state or the government is very similar to a religion in its own ways, very similar to a violent religion. Because what this reminds me of, and especially when it comes to when Donald Trump was elected, this reminds me of when Pope John... Uh, the Polish Pope was elected. There, are, well, you can't really co directly compare this, but I'm just going to use this as an example. But when he was elected, because he was Polish, a lot of people were extremely tense and almost rebelled against the church for that. And of course, you can always rebel against the government. I'm just saying that you're rebelling against one single figure, whereas he, well, you could say he's a part of the problem, but at the same time, the problem that should be focused on is the whole government as a whole. Because me, Rodine, and Jack have said this, but despite what many people in government might say, and this includes AOC, and this includes a lot of people, a lot of uh, who the young people are, think are very AOC. good politicians, are not <laughs> people who will save you. They, These are people who say that um, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to do this for you, and I am not the typical government employee. She's a Every puppet. time someone says they're not the typical government employee, they are They are most definitely the typical government employee. She, she's, she's literally a puppet. I mean, it is hilarious. You know, the Green New Deal, which you see, I don't know if you guys have seen on your Instagram, all these people talking about the Green New Deal, the Green New Deal, you know, AOC is gonna sign. So I actually looked at the Green New Deal papers, uh, you guys are going to be shocked to hear this. I uh, see. It's just headlines. There's nothing talking about the taxing system. There is nothing talking about job market and how it's going to get affected by this. There is nothing talking about how small business owners are going to be affected by this. She's not even facing the cons. She barely is talking about the pros. It is quite literally just saying we will change the global uh, carbon emission. We will change our carbon footprint. Uh, and, and I look at it, I'm like, what is this? It's quite literally just headlines. Just um, words. Oh yeah, literally just words. There was nothing, and it wasn't even sophisticated. I mean, probably a kid with an eighth grade reading level or seventh grade reading level could read it and be totally fine with it. Uh, it was by far one of the worst things I have ever written I've ever read that was written by a government official and yet people still look at AOC like this godlike figure that is going to save them because she's a socialist and wants to divert the money. No, let me tell you, socialism in a country with 330 million people and counting will not work. It, it will it will simply not work. 
And when it comes to situations like this, and I think this is why she, a lot of the young people flock to AOC, is because a lot of a lot of younger people don't really understand the process of what's going on and how gridlock, not just gridlock in general, but anything, if anything relating to progress can get stuck within the arms and teeth of government. So I think the reason why a lot of people gravitated towards that and read the Green New Deal, like this is really good. And you were talking about how they're all headlines is because when, especially when I read and she said that we are going to do this, we are going to do that. It's because young people want a headstrong government, in my opinion, from what I've seen, that does exactly what they want and has no mistakes in between. Now, that's nice and all, but that has never happened in the history of anything. No matter what system we're talking about, capitalism, communism, monarchism, no matter what system, government has never been perfect. Government has never been efficient. So when it comes to this, I think young people are trying to achieve this fallacy that government can be efficient, that it can be effective. But I think we, I think it's sad that we haven't really realized that it is not realistic for government to come through with all of these things. And also the phrasing and use using of the word we is very concerning as well, because we implies that it's going to be all through government action. Yeah, I mean, quite literally, um, you know, you can't just rely on the government. I think that one thing that really gets me mad is notice how the younger guys that, you know, no one talks about these young people that are running for office. And actually a guy that you have introduced us to and we've had the pleasure of finding out who he was. Um, I've seen his debates. Ricky Dale Harrington Jr., right? Uh, the guy that tried to run for Senate in uh, Arkansas. 35 years old, young guy, right? I really like everything he talks about. I mean, he talks everything from a very sensical point of view and a lot of, you know, and he, I, I bet you've seen, he's a very devout Christian, right? Um, he was a prison chaplain, but um, he doesn't let his inner values and his inner morals get entwined with what he believes is right for the people. And that's what people need to see is not what's right for you, right? Maybe, maybe you think it's right that we have a socialistic regime, but you have to look at it from all around the perspective. And that's what the government is very afraid of happening for people to look at things with a perspective, with a wide, broad perspective, because once they have people looking things, you know, at an angle, looking at things from, you know, like this, rather than just a tunnel vision, that is when they get afraid. And that is when they're like, oh, 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 shit, a revolution might just begin. And that is what we need to um, get started in this country, a revolution, uh, you know, whether that be through media, whether that be through revolting, we need a revolution that will break this two party system that will crack it and that will evidently lead to people having, you know, a weak central, a small central government, not a weak one, and power back to the people, really. Absolutely. I mean, I think now with the recent two elections and people being very unhappy with both candidates, I think right now, uh, breaking a two-party system is getting, I guess you could say, easier and easier. And I guess more and more people are open to it. 
I mean, I think from I think most people believe I think most people want to break the two party system. I think it's a matter of how do we go about doing it and how do we go about ensuring that people's votes like how do we go about convincing people that their votes will matter, that their votes will not be just another throwaway, as many people like to uh, say, because a lot of people, they're afraid that if they vote for libertarian, that they're just wasting a vote. We got to change that. We got to make sure that people that when you vote libertarian, that you have you you are actually investing in the future versus what is currently now. So I think, honestly, you know, I don't know what the next election is going to bring, but I think if this cycle keeps continuing, we have two bad candidates like 2016 and 2020. We will eventually break the system. Oh, yeah, definitely. And just for me, last words on breaking the system. Um, I think it's, and especially for things like the Libertarian Party, um, I think it's necessary to follow the advice of uh, a prominent member of the um, Libertarian Party, Mrs. Caucus, uh, Angela McArdle. I think we need to portray ourselves as staunchly different from both the Republican and Democratic Party. Yes, it's important to notice that we do have similarities, but at the same time, what these people are being associated with is not what they're actually, what they actually um, try to uh, say put in, but what they actually do. If we keep saying, oh, we like gun control, oh, but we also like gay marriage, that's not going to do anything when there are members of the Republican Party who instituted not only red flag laws, but who are trying to who are trying to proactively ban certain weapons, as well as when there were members of the Democratic Party who were on record saying years ago that I swear to God, if there is a, um, if there's um, if there is someone to be married with someone of the same sex, then they weren't okay with that. So obviously there, we can't really say that we have similarities between these parties when these parties have a history of being hypocritical and going against the very things that they should be standing for. Wait, I totally agree. Um, last words, Victor? On the two-party system, I would mm. say that it shouldn't be abolished like it shouldn't be taken away but at the same time there needs to be like room for other candidates because there are some candidates that had better ideas than the republicans that are like libertarian or part of a different party or independent then there are some that have better ideas than democrats and republicans that are part of libertarian independent whatever yeah um totally agree um so my last words are this um education 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 that's key uh and we really need to focus on bringing out these candidates and finding more candidates that people can look up to that are young faces fresh faces and that most importantly speak the truth small government wins small government power back to the people thank you for joining in and tuning in to break the system have a good one